Hi, I'm Jacqueline Freeman. And I'm Sarah Korn. You're listening to Kitchen Table Alchemy, living in full color. This is a podcast for people who see and spread the magical in everyday life. Hello. So welcome to episode 19. That's pretty awesome. Um, So, uh, and today we're going to be talking about water in all its forms, um, inspired by um, what is happening right now in Dakota. So um, if you've seen the hashtag, no, what is it? D-A-P-L, no D-A-P-L, or the hashtag water is life, um, then have you seen I any? haven't no I haven't yeah you're not on that I'm on the on the interwebs news. very yeah. often <laughs> well it's not being covered by mainstream news okay at all and if it is being covered it's being covered as anti-energy protesters right so it's got this really nasty thing on it um, what is happening is that an oil company wants to run an oil pipeline through the res an uh, Indian reservation in Dakota. Okay. And um and have it run along I can't remember which river. Um so of course you only have to do a short search to find out what happens when water pipelines burst near water, which they do quite a bit actually. Right. Um so the oil could easily contaminate the water source for Absolutely. The so for everybody, because it's the river. Oh right. It's not just on it's the not just their like reservoir, it's like the river. So they really are fighting for all of us right now, right? And what this has been going on uh, since late, like late winter, early spring, basically. I sent money up there like in April or something when they first started talking about it. And um, uh, what it's been, re- what's been happening that's really amazing is that all these different tribes from North America have been traveling to this reservation to stand in solidarity, nice. right? So there's this unification happening of the tribes, which is really beautiful. Um, And just makes like, I could just, can we just take a minute to be amazed by that, right? Like the rainbow people are gathering, right? Yeah. Um, So beautiful. And so um, it's called Standing Rock is the name of the site where they are right now. So if you've been seeing things about Standing Rock, then that's what's going on. Okay. And, And then there's Solidarity events that are happening all over, um, the country. Uh, and I'm assuming Canada as well, because a lot of the indigenous people from Canada have been going down. So, um, so there's this piece that I thought was so powerful and beautiful and really fits into the way that we've been talking about things on this podcast and how, what we can do inside of us as individuals to impact, um, the things that are happening in our world. So, um, we can definitely put some resources up in the group if people are interested. Um, I know that there is an Amazon wish list that the tribe has with things like canvas oh, and coats and socks and right. Um, cause everyone's sleeping out there and it's starting oh, to get cold okay. at night and you know, so, um, and you can donate money of course for legal fees. If you know lawyers that can do some pro bono work, um, they did get some court victories, but they're only temporary. Mm. So National Guard's been called out there to protect the pipeline, not the people. Um, mm. <laughs> so, you know, it's it's very interesting to watch what's going on. But I there's a woman named Katrina Coravos. Um, I don't know her. I, I saw this through a share from a friend on Facebook. Um, 
that wrote this post that I think is so incredibly powerful that I wanted to read out. And then, um, then we can talk about some of the many issues that are coming up in this. So she says, um, for two weeks now, we have been at Standing Rock to protect the waters of the Missouri from a pipeline being built through it. We are in the company of 175 tribes from around the world that are coming together in unity and peace. This is the largest tribal international gathering we have seen. We have been going to the river every morning with the women of the camp to pray. To be here and witness this is transformative and an honor. To me, this is the beginning of the unification that so many of us have prayed for, the true breakdown of the patriarchy. It is the recognition from the people themselves that we must tear down the walls of division. We are a human race with many colors, many traditions, and many beliefs. The time has come where the diversity will no longer separate us, but rather will bring us together to celebrate and honor our common ground, Mother Earth. To see tribes that have been enemies for generations come together to make peace and being in circle with people in prayer from around the world has been humbling and awe-filled. And amidst this incredible experience, there has been something that's been weighing on my heart and what I believe to be a missing piece, the sacredness of women's moon cycle. We've heard in many places that women who are bleeding are not welcome to pray. Even on the front lines, there was a sign out front that said, bleeding women keep out. I am not here to put down or judge any traditions or practices, and I'm certainly not here to debate. And the truth is, this concerns me, and I would like to speak from the place of honoring the lifeblood. We, as women, are carriers of the water. We are the life givers. Our blood, our cycle and connection to the moon is sacred. We hold in us mysteries and a connection to the ebb and flow of all the waters on our planet. Here is what I believe. I believe the woman's blood returns to that when the woman's blood returns to being held as sacred, our waters will truly heal. I believe this is paramount in the change we wish to see in the world. I have tuned into so many women feeling shamed, ostracized, and excluded because of their blood. This much change. When I have spoken with elders about this, what I keep hearing is, woman's moon time is powerful. When they pray, their prayers are very loud. It's hard for the men because their prayers are not as loud, so they shouldn't pray. We, of course, have met grandmothers that do not believe this, but there are many that do. So here is where my heart is. If we are praying for the same thing, the protection of the waters, the health of the earth, the betterment of the people, then wouldn't we want to utilize the most powerful prayer we can have? If we are praying for the same thing, does it really matter whose prayer is louder? And if there's so much power in the prayers when we bleed, wouldn't it be wise to harness it? If it is true that the waters will heal when women heal, then perhaps it is time for us to look at all the shame that has been dumped on our bleeding cycle. Perhaps it is time for us to look at why we have pushed women away from prayer when they bleed. 
Traditions before the patriarch's influence revered the blood cycle as holy and sacred, and I believe it is time for these teachings to return. So here at camp, we have decided to make a moon lodge. We will be creating a womb space, like an anipi. The door will face the sacred fire, which is outside the council lounge. The inside will be lined with red fabric. It is where the women who are bleeding will be honored, fed, and where they will pray. We will put a bowl of water from Missouri in the middle where the prayers will go into. To me, this is a beginning. It is a beginning of honoring the sacredness of the women and our connection to the mother. It is time to shed the shame. It is time to shed the oppression of the feminine. It is time to rise up as the women, the ones who carry the womb inside of us. When we heal, she heals. When we are honored, she is honored. We are the earth. We are her waters. This is the time for sacredness to return. Oh, I love that. Oh, <laughs> right? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh my gosh. Everyone here, your womb say yes. <laughs> well, my, it, it's, it's so ironic how even in times where everyone's coming together and there's all this unification, that then you still have this thing, oh, well, but not this group. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's like, wait, isn't that kind of in conflict with what it is that we're trying to achieve here? I think it's a necessary or inevitable or productive, like, part of unification is that true unification means things come to the surface. So then we have to, because we see this right. in relationships, yeah. right? Like, you can have all your stuff together. Mm-hmm. And then you get in a relationship and find out how much stuff has fallen out of your closet, right? Like, right. we have all been like, dude, I thought I had it together, but I am a mess right now, right? So, yeah. and the reason that is is because you're coming to a deeper level of unification. Right. And so it brings things to the surface, it's right? Like, it's like everything was fine with the level where you were at. You had everything together on that level, but now you're going to the next level, and so on that next level, there's new things that need to be cleared right. out and right. addressed. Exactly. You're going to a yeah. deeper level, and yeah. you're bringing things a little bit closer, and so now there's new things that need to be dealt with, right? Yeah. So um, so it is like it, it is going to happen. And, and yeah. so if we can remember we're coming here together for unity, then we can find productive ways to work through the stuff that happens. And I think that's a really good point, too, that... Because a lot of times we think, oh, we're coming together for unity, whether it's in a cause like this or in a relationship with someone. Um, Great, now everything is wonderful. Right. But And it's easy to have that expectation that everything is supposed to be wonderful and perfect and kumbaya. and, and, But if we can have that realistic understanding that stuff is going to come up and that's part of what that looks like, then we can be prepared to address those things when they do come up. Yeah, totally. Totally. Because yeah. it, it, we end up putting a lot of like psychological pressure onto it. Yeah. Right? And because think, if our expectations don't match reality, then we start blaming ourselves or the other person. Or we think it's a sign that this isn't the way it's supposed to be. Yeah. Right? Like, yeah. oh, well, I thought it was going to be so great, but now there's all this conflict, so <laughs> it must not be real. Like, Or the conflict could be coming because new things are coming to the surface and you need to deal with them. Yeah. Conflict is not a bad thing. Right. Mm, yeah. 
if, well, and the the challenge I know for me personally anyway, the challenge is that I don't have a lot of good tools or experience around dealing with conflict. For me, conflict has always just been bad. It's just a bad experience. <laughs> um, yeah, I, I I don't know. It's it, it's like you need that to have some experiences where okay, there was this point of conflict. I worked through it. And came out on the other side, and look, everything worked out, and if anything is better now than it was, and exactly. and I think people need to have some of those experiences to um, to get comfortable with conflict. Yeah. I mean, you're more comfortable with conflict than most people I know. <laughs> I'm comfortable, I say, as in you accept that, right? It's that it part can of be life. a healthy thing. And, yeah, yeah. Well, and it came from this really loud family, so mm. I think that. Uh, People yeah, maybe for you more have an advantage there, <laughs> and, and yeah, and you know, like if you talk to like Italians or you know, like right, so Mediterranean cultures, cultures yeah. like it, you, 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 people are like, what? We're you know, we're just talking, like you know, <laughs> someone else thinks they're having this giant dra- fight dra- because they're like, oh, right? what are you talking about? You drive me crazy with the stuff, you know, and <laughs> and they're not holding any emotional baggage from that right right they they blow the steam off stuff comes out they hash it out and then they move on yeah right like but um but you as you get into those northern cultures right um and and the sort of wasp culture of america is definitely from like england and holland and germany Mm -hmm. rather than Mm -hmm. spain and france and italy and, and greece right so um so you you get into that wasp culture and and conflict becomes something that's very scary because you don't do it and so if someone does raise a voice or if there is something that hashes yeah, out it's like <gasps> drama right yeah. it ends into this whole like oh well now it's all ruined like yeah yeah but otherwise you like walk around in these little islands alone right if you're not working through that stuff so um but i think um and I also think it's really powerful. Uh, I think I do not want people to be thinking, oh, this is so terrible. They're isolating these women on their periods um, and having this like, oh, well, we don't do that. Well, we do. Yes, we absolutely do. So, you mean in, in non-Native American cultures exactly. we do that too. Yeah, yeah. totally. Well, like, just the fact is like, I don't want to see anyone to see me buying tampons at the store. Thank <gasps> you. Exactly. <laughs> like... Exactly. What? Yeah. No, it's just so <laughs> ridiculous. Or like guys freaking out about buying right. tampons, right? I remember there was this... Commu- or did you even mention that you're having your period? Yeah. yeah. Like what? It's not contagious. Right. Like, I'm not going to bleed on you. <laughs> Come on. You're going to wipe it on you? <laughs> <laughs> like, and so this know. is, I know, this is a thing. Like, so I want us to like spend some time talking about these taboos, right? And, um, and I'm, it's been so interesting since I've been really thinking about this, um, in connection to healing the waters, right? Because several of the tribes have also called for women to pray with water and over water. Um, there's a Facebook event now, um, that's running until the end of the month, I think. And they're asking women at noon, wherever they are to pray over water. So that can be going to a river, going to a lake, going to a pond, but it can also be in your bathtub. It can be the water (laughs) in your sink. Right. So, um, so I've been, uh, you know, like 
this has been, this is happening for me every day, right? And really connecting to every time I'm using water and thinking about what this Mm -hmm. is and what it means. And with this post that this woman had put up, putting that connection into how if we're healing our waters and our relationship with our waters, right, then we're also going to be healing our relationship with the water on the planet. Then it's made me really conscious of where shame steps in, right? I'm on my period right now. Mm. And, um, and so like, there's been a few things that I almost said on Facebook and then I found myself censoring myself like, Mm. Oh, I don't want to freak any guys out or, (laughs) or gross any quote unquote ladies out or, you know, and then it's like, okay, where's that coming from? Like that just need, I need to, I need to really question that and examine it Mm -hmm. and find new ways to go around it. Right. I'm not like a teenager or a 20 year old anymore. So yeah. like, I don't need like pictures of bloody tampons to like freak people out and go get over it. You know, like, which I probably would have done if I'd been working with this in the same way when I was that age. But, um, because you know, if you think about it, like when we are like, ew, blood gross, right? Uh-huh. Like how much blood do we see every day? CSI, like, Game of Thrones, Vikings. In a violence context. Yeah. So when it's when it's the blood that takes life, we have no problem seeing rivers of it. Right? Like Mm -hmm. they put it on the advertisement. There there are bath mats now that you can step when they're they're white Mm -hmm. and when you step on them, they make blood marks. What? Really? Like you know, like, oh my God. <laughs> so, so like we're obsessed with blood in this culture, right? We yeah. have no problem whatsoever with blood running down the walls if it's the blood that takes. Or Halloween, life. right? Decorating exactly. Halloween, we're going into Halloween blood. season, so yeah. it's everywhere, right? <laughs> like, um, so we have no problem when it's the blood that takes life, but suddenly the blood that gives life. Right, the blood yeah. that comes from us as women, the blood that gives life is so gross and so disgusting. We can't even hear about it. We have to call it that time of the month. Right, I got touched by the red crow, or Aunt Flo's coming to visit, or <laughs> like what? What? <laughs> what did you call it growing up? For us, it was Aunt Flo. It was just. Um, that time of the month. Oh, that I mean, time. Or of on the, month. the rag, being on the rag. Oh God, that was another one. So derogatory yeah. that one, right? Like, oh, are you like on the rag? Like we're all sitting around on a rag or something, <laughs> not doing anything else. <laughs> and it, that always rag. has this, like, right? Like this always has this really derogatory thing too, yeah. like being on the rag. That's like PMS wrapped up into it, right? Oh, okay. Don't yeah, you I think? think? I think so. Yeah. Well, yeah, because then if someone is emotional, if a woman is being emotional about something, it's like, oh, she's on the rag. Right. Like, let's just totally dismiss all that. Right. And I used to say in my first marriage, I'm like, let me tell you, there is nothing bothering me now that hasn't been working my nerves all month long. It's now I'm expressing it. Exactly. My patience is short. (laughs) Now I don't have the estrogen to like stuff it down anymore. So So you're going to hear about it. Right. Like, but trust me, this was bothering me two weeks ago and I didn't say anything or I tried to do this and I tried to do this and you ignored it. Do you know what I mean? Like. Um, but yeah, this way of like totally disregarding. Yeah. I, I found that I get, um, 
like depressed mm. easily, very easily when I'm, when, and I go and I'll, if I find myself going, wow, why am I like so negative right now? And then I'm like, wait, and I look at my calendar, I'm like, oh, it's the week before my period. That's why. Right. And yeah. And so I don't know. It's like, I just have more sensitivity to like negative stuff around that time yeah well and the energy my energy is also lower and when my energy is lower then i'm more susceptible to negativity yeah so um uh like i eat lots of avocados during that time Mm -hmm. or okay it helps okay yeah and almonds help too um so like and so my son used to groan and moan when he saw me come home with a bunch of guacamole (laughs) <laughs> like he knew right, what's going on and so like and it was awesome because fries like always tended to have guacamole it got to where the guacamole was going on sale when i needed it it was pretty nice. awesome i love that <laughs> so um, that's right you're the person who like can buy find anything in the store when you need it it like magically appears for you kind of pretty much <laughs> it's always been one of my talents yeah i have like little bargain fairies that help me it's one of the ways the universe takes care of me yeah. is saving me tons of money in places so that yeah it's one of my right. income flows. It doesn't seem like an income flow, but it is because it saves me tons. So, um, like, uh, yeah, but the, so we called, we, at that time of the month or, uh, ant flow, right? So if mm-hmm. we need to say something to another woman, like in code. Oh, okay. Right. Like. You had to speak in code because you couldn't like. Right. Well, like right. it was just so embarrassing. Right? Like, yeah. oh, Aunt Flo's, Aunt Flo's coming this month, or I just got a call from Aunt Flo. Like, <laughs> you know, like, this is the kind of stuff we would say to each other to talk in this code. And then that whole, like, if you need a pad or a tampon, right? Like, this whole, like, hey, have you got a tampon? Right? Like, this right. whispering. Yeah. And then, like, the the weird, like, secret. Like, you're passing a knowing class, <laughs> like, behind the teacher's back. <laughs> Still, right? At yeah. like forty five years old, like still embarrassed to to, like, to let a tampon be right? And like I use the OBs, which, which don't have right, right, they don't yeah. have the tam- so they're like the thing that I used to think was one of the things I thought was really cool about them was that it was very easy to pass. Pass it in your palm. Because it's so small right? and I could yeah. hold it in my hand and no one had to see that I was holding a tampon in my hand while I was going to the bathroom. And like even that kind of stuff, like why why are we embarrassed about that? Yeah. You know what I mean? It's Especially like, if you're in a woman's restroom. like <laughs> Right. Or just even walking through the hall. Like, yeah. why wouldn't I just have that in my hand, like my phone, if I need to change? Like, mm-hmm. why, why would I have all this embarrassment and shame to walk across a restaurant with a pad in my hand, like a normal person? Mm-hmm. Right? Like, um, so, like, really sitting and, like thinking about that for a second, talking about the shame that we have around it and like deciding with each other that we're not going to well, do I that anymore. Well, I think into that whole thing about, um, just women's sexuality and, and that being repressed and being sinful and things like that. Right. Cause it all has to do with down there, <laughs> you know, and you should that- totally see Sarah's face when she said that. That was gorgeous. <laughs> Everyone practice your down there face. Right, exactly. <laughs> so, I yeah, I think it kind of is all part of that. And I think we've talked about that before, about how, you know, the Christian culture is, you know, the whole thing about um, Eve being bad and sex being bad and, and right. all the shame and stuff around that. So, 
it, so I think it's, I, that's where I see it coming from, like, in my cultural background, but I think that's interesting that something similar but different seems to be going on in the Native American cultures. Because right. the they don't have the Christianity thing, so for them, no. it's something different. No. So and so it's, inter- it's interesting, too, isn't it, that, um, well, it's just so powerful that it should be kept away. We wouldn't want the men to feel over their prayers not to be heard as much. <laughs> Which I think is a strange thing because, I don't know, the way I think of the divine is that everyone can be heard. Mm. And so, I don't know. I I get some things are more powerful than others, right? This mm-hmm. is why sometimes are more powerful than others. Right. Like, there's always power there, but then there are going to be times that are more powerful than others. There are going to be ways to make your voice more powerful. So this is why Mm. in so many traditions, um, there will be a ritual of fasting and prayer before you come up to a certain event. Right. So, um, to, to cleanse any interference. So if you think of it as, as like radio signals being sent, right. Then we can totally understand how there are things that are going to interfere with a radio signal and there are things that are going to, strengthen and clarify a radio right. signal and there are things that are going to boost a radio signal. Right. Do you see what yeah. I'm saying? So, so it works in a really similar way, I think. Mm-hmm. So it's not that, um, that one signal is better than the other or one like tuning it, right? Like right. that 88.1 is better than 88.4 or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Right. But depending on where the receiver is, right. And how you want things to line up. Exactly. Right. So, um, so it does make um, sense to me, and this is a huge paradigm flip for sort of Christendom's take on women and their periods. Mm-hmm. Um, and Judaism used to have a similar take, actually, um, and it shifted. And take as in? Seeing women's periods as being very powerful in a sacred time, right? So if you haven't read The Red Tent, the book The Red Tent. No, I haven't. Oh, oh my gosh. I read this book this summer. So we should totally remember to put this on the thing. But um, I read this book this summer. um, Diamant is the, I can't remember her first name, but the last name is Diamant. Um, And it is about the wives of Jacob. Is it Jacob? One of the, yes, because Jacob became Israel. His name became Israel. Um, so, um, Jacob and Esau. Yes, Jacob. So it's about the wives of Jacob and it's taken from, that's written from the perspective of one of the daughters. Right. Mm -hmm. And so they, they kept a red tent. So the women would go into the red tent every month and that place it wasn't a shunning, right? It was an honoring. Okay. Um, and it's interesting because, like, in Arabic, the word haram means sacred and forbidden. Oh, interesting. It means the same thing. And depending on the context, right, it gets used in different ways. So, like, the haram is like where that black cube is in Mecca, 
right? So if you've ever seen the pictures of like the black cube and when the Muslims are on Hajj and they're like circling around it, right? Okay. That is called the Haram, mm. right? But it's also Haram to drink alcohol. Oh, okay. Right, or haram to to eat pork. Okay. Right, pork is haram. So, but the word means the same thing. It means sacred and forbidden. Sacred and forbidden. It's the same word. Yeah. Hmm. And so, if we if we sink into that understanding, right, of of what is taboo, and and this idea of things that that are very powerful and sacred and holy mm-hmm. also being forbidden, right? So um, then you could look at it as that's why we don't talk about it. Could. Right. Right. But then we have to examine how we approach those things, right? So are we are we seeing that as shameful, nasty, dirty? Mm-hmm. Or is a sacred forbidden? Are we seeing this right. as sacred tread carefully? Yeah. No, I'm not. I don't feel there's a lot of sacredness there. Yeah. <laughs> I would it's agree. It's forbidden because it's gross, and you don't want gross people out, not because it's sacred. Yeah. 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 And so finding ways to shift this, right? And right. the red tent, I think, um, was so powerful for me. It's a really, really beautiful book. And. If you are in the Judeo-Christian tradition or come from the Judeo-Christian tradition, I think this this book can be really powerful in bringing out a new perspective of sort of the feminine between the lines of this masculine telling mm-hmm. that we've been you know that we've inherited, um, and kind of showing this hidden aspect of the beginning of the history. The woman that wrote the book is a ancient. Jewish scholar, oh. right? So, so she knows of what she speaks. Do right. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah. It is a fiction, but um, but it's but Based it's accurate historical, historical. Fisc- right? So, um, so it's really really powered. It was really powerful for me to have that kind of paradigm shift and feel like like I gained back this part of myself. It was almost like 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 I got my womb back. If that makes any huh. sense. Like, yes, I have it. Yes, I, quote, deal with, the you know, my blood every month. I've, I've had a child. So, like, I know it's there. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? I know it's there. I've used it. Like, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so, but somehow it was always not part of me or it wasn't something that I was totally claiming or owning. Right. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, and that that book, The Red Tent. More like a thing you had as opposed to a thing that was part of you. Right. Or a thing I had to put up with or deal mm. with. Right? Yeah. Mm. Instead of something that's mine. Instead of seeing it as as a resource. Seeing it as a source. Even. Right? Like it, mm. a, a real... So I finally got to claim it. And... Um, and so it's gotten me thinking in very different ways about how we think about our bodies, how we think about our blood, how we handle the blood, right? Um, and I was one of those women that I think my first period or two I used pads, and then I mm-hmm. went to tampons really fast. Yeah, like, same here. <laughs> um, my, my flow was super heavy. Um, like I pass clots the size of farm animals. Like it just, you know, like it's, it's, it's not dainty. Yeah. There is nothing 
like sweet and dainty about <laughs> my flow. My flow is as big as I am. And so, so, and it always has been. And so yeah. it just like, there was no way to not ruin all my clothes. Yeah. And so, um, pads were just not cutting it. And so I went to tampons like really, really fast. And, and I realized, I think I was still in Holland. No, I, w- I had come back. So I was back in the States. This is in the last, you know, 14 years or so. Um, I realized that I had been, the tampons meant I never really had to deal with it. I didn't have to see blood. Right. I didn't have to wipe a lot of blood. I didn't have to, right? Like, yeah. I changed my tampon. Pulled out, flush it, gone. Here we go. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. And so, um, and so I had several months and then ended up going back to, cause it was making such a mess. Um, uh, had several, maybe half a year or something, nine months where I only used pads oh. to like get used to it again. Right. Mm-hmm. Because if I did, I like when I saw the blood, I'd be like, Aah! you know, yeah, like, yeah. Oh my God, it looks like a murder scene. I mean, like all this, <laughs> all, your, like, yeah. all this stuff that we say about it. Yeah. And it was just like, okay, all right, just stop it. Like let's, and I was also, um, it was one of the lessons that I got from one of my, um, one of my friends in Holland, my dear friends in Holland, he really pushed me to accept the full cycle of the life, death, life cycle. Mm -hmm. Right. Like I always wanted to only think about like the good stuff and the pretty stuff and the nice stuff. And I don't want to deal with all this stuff over here. And I was a vegetarian because I, you know, like, no, I don't want to kill animals. And, you know, like yeah. all this. So um, I just was not, I didn't want to face death. Right. And he was just like, well, if you want to live, you're going to have to. Like, right. So we had lots of conversations about this. And um, and he, you know, came from Azerbaijan and grew up on a farm. And so, he, ha- you know, like he right. has this, like, he, for him, that's just, that's life. Is, life it's is, right. Yeah. And I was just not dealing with it well at all. And so, um, so I realized like, okay, I need to face this. I need to deal with it. I need to, to get comfortable with it, be okay with it. Like, and really think about and recognize how I am feeling about this and thinking about it and, and work to normalize this because it is, like nowhere is blood more a part of life than in the menstrual cycle. Right. Yeah, that's true. And I wonder if that when you were saying that, you know, about oh, it's like a murder scene. I I kind of got this thought of I wonder if that's kind of what freaks guys out about it. Is it something that you normally associate with death? Um, but it's not right. It's actually a part of the life cycle. And, 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 and I think too, just the idea that someone you care about, you know, is like bleeding profusely, right? Like there's something about that, that I, that is a little disturbing, you know, if, if you, if you associate blood with death, then the idea that someone you care about, your mother, your sister, your spouse, whatever is like has all this blood. It's like, oh my God, you're dying. Oh my God, something's wrong, you know? Yeah. Um, And I, so I wonder if that's maybe where some of that um, comes from as well. I don't know. I'm not a guy. Yeah, I wonder. But. (laughs) I don't know. Um, Because they don't seem, yeah. When I look at blood culture, 
you know, like our over sanguinity in so many of our things. I don't know. I'm curious. Yeah. Um, and I know, like, in The Little Birds, wasn't it The Little Birds? The Thorn Birds, that's what it was. Little Birds was Anais Nen. The Thorn Birds, right? There's this scene, uh, it's about this, this oh, right? It's a miniseries, yeah. isn't it? it was, yeah, it came I from a book. It was really big in the 70s, yeah. yeah. And um, in the beginning, the the heroine is, is like, convinced she's going to die yeah. because she's been bleeding and she can't make the blood stop and no one's told her about her period. Right. right? So, um, uh, but yeah, like, um, so if you don't know, then you could see it that, but like recognizing this is life. And I don't think as women, even we even recognize that, which is why we get totally grossed out by it. Mm-hmm. We're grossed out by right. it. The blood can be as much a part of life as death. Yeah. 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 Absolutely crucial to it. Like without that blood, there will be no life. All right. Well, yesterday I went to the beach in San Diego with uh, my dad and my nephew. And so I was swimming in the ocean and um, I rented a boogie board and and did the the body surfing, which was really fun. I love doing that. And when I was a kid and we would go to the beach, that's what I would do. And I would spend like days in the ocean just catching the waves. um, um, So I thought it was interesting when you said you want to talk about water and... And so now we're going to talk about literal water. (laughs) (laughs) And um, so uh, one thing that I noticed is that, you know, part of learning to ride the waves is just sort of getting out there and you just experiment on a lot of ways. Like you'll try to catch a wave in and it doesn't work out and, um, or, you know, some of them are really powerful and like knock you under. And, and so I realized that then you got to find your way back up again, right? right? It's not getting reoriented. Yeah. yeah. And, and there's, you just, with experience, you start to recognize how the waves are cresting and how powerful they are. And, and, and it's one of those, I found the same thing was true with raising children is that, as you're around them all the time, you start to pick up the nuances of what certain types of crying means, what their routine and their schedule is. And, and, um, a lot of times it, there's a lot of courses out there on the internet of people selling you like their system of how to, you know, have a profitable business or get rich or, you know, this or that. And, and, but I think that, and we're kind of trained to want that, right? Because our education system is like, um, you know, the teacher has the answers and here's the test. And if you pass the test, and it's very much like there's a right way to do things. And yet a lot of life is just getting out there, trying things, experimenting, seeing what happens and, and just sort of figuring it out as you go. And yeah. that that's part of a, it's part of the process. And I think a lot of times we don't realize that we think that, Oh, if I just learn the secret to this, you know, I'll, I'll have it all made. And so we go chasing after the gurus and everybody who's, you know, got something, um, you know, their way, what worked for them. Um, and then the other thing that I thought was that the waves reminded me of was how there's always more coming, right? So even if you try to catch a wave and don't, 
That's okay because in about two seconds, there's another one. In fact, sometimes, like, I would, like, try to catch a wave and then sort of fall off it and then get hit in the head by another one, like, (laughs) or in the face as I turn around. As you turn around and looked at it, yeah. There's another one. And so it was just, um, uh, yeah, it was just a reminder that there's always more opportunity. There's always um, waves coming and, um, you know, can just get out there and, and 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 have a sense of fun about it, right? Because right. if it's or like like to think about it in terms of if you've been knocked off your board <laughs> and there's another way of coming, like like you said, right? Like just turning around to see where it is and it knocks you in your face, <laughs> right? Like how do we um how do we find a way to manage those moments in our lives, right? When yeah. when it just keeps coming. Yeah. You know, how, how do you find, how do you find the surface to get some air? Mm-hmm. How do you, how do you, um, how do you, how do you get back up on the, back up on the board? Mm-hmm. Right. And, yeah. um, that, uh, surfing metaphor is one that, that, that I find so useful for, for those reasons, I've never surfed, so it's in my imagination that I've been able to, like, <laughs> milk this metaphor. But, like, um, but it's that thing, too, of, you know, if you're looking at it like an underground, um, not underground, or underwater would be the word for that, um, view of what's happening with the waves, right? And you're seeing all this motion and action that's happening. Like, it's chaos. Mm. And if you're doing big time surfing, like you can really get confused as to what's up and what's down. Yeah. I remember that as, as a kid. Yeah. That disorientation that happens. And I remember one time like getting bowled over by this big wave and then like swimming for the surface. And then my hand hits the ground and like the sand. And I'm like, Oh my gosh, I was swimming in the The opposite direction direction. because I got so turned around. And Yeah. yeah. And that was really, it was really freaky and disorienting. But then again, I was only in like five feet of water, you know? So that was part of what I learned from that was, you know what? Just let the surf throw, just let it carry you to the shore because, or you're going to come up, right? Because we float in seawater. <laughs> and so it's like, you're, I do, if you just kind of, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And so finally I realized just let it throw you around and wait until you are able to get oriented again. And, um, and yeah, you always come to the surface. Well, and finding, um, God, now it's one of, one of those moments when I wish that we had Margot Brown on the mic with us because <laughs> she's a surfer, right? Um, oh. She's from Boston. And so, um, poor so baby. She's done the East Coast. Yeah. Surfing. So she's done the East Coast uh, surfing. Coast. And so, um, um, and, and talking about that orientation process, right? Like, is, is, it's really lovely to hear her talk about that and how that's been one of the big lessons, um, of surfing for her. And, um, and it makes me think of some stuff that happened in the shamanism workshop that I did, um, a couple weekends ago. And one of the exercises that our teacher had us do was, um, to write down like five things that we know to be true. Right. And, And then she had us work through exercises where we're using one of those things as our way to 
to right ourselves or to come back to center or to get reoriented if we get hit with something. Oh, right. Okay. So, um, and so it's making me think of that, like when we're talking about finding that orientation process, right? <clears throat> Cause I think depending on where you're surfing, sometimes you can just let it carry you to shore. Like, right. okay, <laughs> I got hit. Yeah. We're going to go doing until my body surfing. So I'm in the right. shallows. I'm not, right. I'm always able to stand, which is different than maybe people who are doing like the full on surfing where they're out and, and these are like deeper waters waves. and much bigger waves. Yeah. 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 And so, um, uh, yeah, so that finding, um, like, what you know to be true. I mean, if you're, in that case, you're in the shallows, you know the shore is coming. Right. So just ride with it, and you'll be fine, right? Um, and in the deeper waters, you're going to need to have something that you're holding on to that helps you get reoriented, right? Oh, okay. So when... So like the board or something probably floats. Could be. Them. Um, but if we think like, if we're turning, right, if we're flipping this into like how we can use this on a personal, personal level, like finding these different values or finding these things that we know to be true. And, um, like for me, one of my, I know this to be true is human beings are essentially good. Hmm. Right. If you get past the ego, past the defense mechanisms, past the wounding, past, right? Past like, all their stuff. Right. right. The core, the real who they are is good. So if, if I can find that, then it's going to be, then I, then I can write myself, right? Mm. Then it's going to be okay. So no matter, um, what, emotional thing could happen or what disappointing thing could happen or what, right? The betrayals, like those are the spaces where, where I've had to use that belief to right myself and not allow myself to get sucked into another pit that right. takes me two and a half years to get out of. <laughs> right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so like, um, yeah. So find, finding those like this, I know to be true and, and thinking about, how would I use that? How would I swim my way back to that? Right. Mm -hmm. If I'm in the space. So like, and I, and, and I'm sure we can all think of like times that we've had these like emotional hits mm -hmm. where everything we thought we knew is crumbling. We're living mm -hmm. in one of those times right now. I think it's a lot of why a lot of people are freaking out the way they are. Right. right. Everything we thought we knew is crumbling. And so like, so how do we, um, how do we swim? How do we swim back to that place? How do we, how do we hold on to that and not? I had the train went around the bend and I lost it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you, do you get where I'm going with that? Does yeah. that yeah. resonate that's, at all? I think that's really that's really helpful to have something like that 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 you know to be true, independent of what anyone else does. Right, because when your faith is in a person or an institution or a cultural norm or whatever, like this is how things are in in a cultural or social sense, um, then you know those things can all fail you. But if you have something like what you were saying that you know all people are essentially good, well, that's independent of all that other stuff. Right. So it can't be changed. Exactly. Yeah. And I think that's really powerful and, and 
whatever it is for any person, you know, right. each person, each of us can come up with what that is for us. Yeah. That thing that is, um, unchangeable by all the change. Yeah. 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 And that's that hand fest. that's not going to break when right. you're grabbing onto it. And that's like, and that's one of the things I think is interesting about the ocean too, is that, um, it is constantly moving. Like when I was in the, when I was in the water, like it's pulling you like under the surface, it was like pulling me down the beach and then you've got the waves that's under the water. And then on the surface, you've got the surf, right? These waves, you know, cresting and crashing and at different places. And so there's all this change, you know, all this constant, constant motion. And so in that way, it feels very uncertain and unpredictable. Like the waves don't always crash in the same place. They don't always have the same strength. So there's a lot of like unpredictability going on. But yet at the same time, that thing of there's always another wave coming. There's there's like that, you know, the noise of the surf and the seagulls and like, and, and I remember I was like, at one point I was laying on my towel and like in front of me was the sand and I could see all the little grains and I was like, you know, that could be sand that like, you know, came out of a volcano and formed into some, some mountain or something on the other side of the world. And like, it's made its way, you know, over thousands and thousands of years to like right in front of my towel. And, and there's little pieces of like shell and, and like, I wonder how many thousands of years old that is, you know, like there's this sort of timelessness about the ocean and the beach and mother earth. And yet it's also in constant motion and constant change. And that, Finding the way to, I think surfing is a metaphor, is finding the way to get on top of and ride the change. Yes. Instead of being pulled underneath it. Yeah. Right? And yeah. disoriented. So, like, and I, I, there have been times in my life where, where I just got land blasted by something. And, um, and it, like really felt like it was like, Hey, stay on my, stay on my boogie board, stay on my boogie board. Right. right. Cause I can like, I can feel that shark fin brush my leg. Mm. I can feel that like octopus arm that can grab my foot, you know, like right. you can feel these things in the water around you mm-hmm. that threaten to take you under. And that finding your boogie board and staying on top of it, right, and recognizing that as long as I stay on top of this, I'm going to be fine. Right. You know, I don't, I don't need, the only way the shark is going to get me is if I roll over into the water. (laughs) Do you know what I'm saying? Like, so, um, yeah, and that, and that's something that I've had, uh, in the last five years, even, there were some things that happened that, like, the sense of like feeling that shark pass me mm. in the water was just like, ah, you know, like, yeah. <laughs> like, Oh, this is terrible. This could, I could really go down wow. right now. I could really go down right and now. When you said that about riding the wave. I was thinking of something totally different, which is what I was doing yesterday where I was, you catch a wave and you're just like shoot along and you are on like the front of the, the wave, the surf and, um, uh, 
and you do kind of have to get your balance just right to like so that the momentum of the wave will carry you but when it does when like all of that comes together and like you get the timing just right and you position yourself on the board just right and all this kind of stuff and then you just go shooting along on the front of this wave towards the beach it's just so cool it's so much fun um I mean, even as an adult, you know, yeah, it's yeah, so much yeah, fun. Yeah, of course. And, um, and it doesn't, I mean, it happens like a fraction of the time that you're in the water. Most of your time is spent like trying to find the, to get position just right so you can ride something in. Um, but, um, but yeah, it's just so thrilling too. And so sometimes there are those kind of things where it's just like, oh my gosh, like great stuff is happening to me and I'm riding this thing. And, you know, sometimes what we do when things are going well is we're like, oh, it's too good to be true. You know, oh, something bad is about to happen or, you know, like we start to second guess it. And it's like, no, sometimes you really are just like you, you got lucky. You caught a wave. Like things are going really awesome right now. And that's part of the experience. So don't jump <laughs> off the board. I know, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so for this last section, we're probably going to have a long podcast this time. You're getting, like, more <laughs> bang for your not money um, <laughs> with the last two podcasts. But um, so I really wanted to spend a little bit of time talking about, because um, we're going to spend some time talking about creativity and intuition, because metaphorically, uh, water is the place of intuition and dreams and things like this, right? So... Um, but specifically as women, um, it, intuition is connected to the body. So um, if we're disconnected from our bodies, then we're going to be disconnected from our intuition. So that's why people call intuition like a gut feeling. Exactly. Exactly. And with women, part of the reason that women's intuition is so powerful, right? And there have actually been studies on this that are really interesting. Um, because of the extra blood that's in the womb, right, there is a higher iron level, an mm -hmm. iron content. So we're like compasses. For intuition? Right, because we have more iron. Oh. So, like, hmm. so that gut feeling or woman's intuition, like, there is a physiological basis for that and that Western science can point to, right? Wow. Because just like um, the moon, like, one of the reasons that, um, historically speaking, women are very connected to the moon. You talk about the moon goddess or some cultures talk about, oh, it's my moon. My means moon my time. time my, my moon time, right? Right. Um, it's my moon is, uh, is because the moon's moving in these different phases, right? But the moon also mm -hmm. has this very deep pull on the waters. Oh. So. And we were just talking about the ocean. We were just talking about the ocean. So, <laughs> so, so when people are like, oh, all that star astrological stuff is just nonsense. I'm like, really? Because, because we see how tides are affected by the moon. Right. So, so we have very obvious evidence of how the, 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 the bodies around us are mm -hmm. impacting the things that happen on our planet. Right. right. So, um, and since we are largely water, then it makes sense that the moon also has an impact on us. Right. right. So, um, and that's that, and that's also, again, why 
Typically, the moon is seen as feminine. There are a few cultures where the moon is referred to as masculine, but generally mm-hmm. speaking, the moon is seen as feminine. And those are part of some of the reasons that that is that way. Hmm. Um, and when we look at how intuition is is connected through the body, then we start seeing again like how catastrophic it is when women in particular are disconnected from their bodies, hmm. right? And because a woman's power comes through her body. We, we, whether or not you have children, women are the portal to all human life on this planet, right? Mm-hmm. Every human here came here through a woman. Right. <laughs> and even if you choose not to have children or a, a, a unable to or whatever, you still you have, have the that capacity. Potential. Yeah, yeah exactly. Capacity. So, um, so we are the doorway to human life. Right. And so that's, that's where that woman's power comes from, right? It really is seated in the womb. And so if you want to destroy a woman, and take her power from her, you disconnect her from her body and you shame her particularly hmm. about about her sex, about right. her sexuality, about her Or get her, her criticizing her body every time she looks in the mirror. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So you disconnect her from her body and that's how you pull the plug on feminine power, right? Mm. So, um, so, so, so this, like love yourself as a rebellious act or whatever. Like this is really important, yeah. <laughs> right? Yeah. That we learn how to do this. And again, with that being connected with the intuition, if we're disconnected from our bodies, we're going to be disconnected from our intuition. We're going to be disconnected with our creativity. Mm-hmm. We're going to be right. We're going to be disconnected from all those things that keep us alive and, and, and that our communities and the planet need from us. Right. So like my Vasilisa curriculum is very much based around, it's an initiatory tale. So it's like the first step in reconnecting with this stuff. Mm. And she, her mother gave her this little doll to keep in her apron pocket. And the apron pocket was right in front, right? It was right right over the the womb. And so the little doll would jump when she needed to do stuff and guide her this way and that way. Right. So it's, it's a metaphor. Yeah. For intuition. And I've noticed that I start, like, sometimes when I have a thought that is that is true or, like, an aha moment or something, I'll get goosebumps and the chills, kind of. Like, I've started to be able to tap into that when I'm getting... I call that getting a yes. Like, oh, my body says yes to that. Yeah. You know? And that's... Yeah. And, uh, yeah, it's actually kind of interesting to be... To be like, oh, wow, that's, like, an actual real thing. (laughs) Yeah. And, like, part of, like, the patriarchy is to tell us that the mind is better. Yeah. And so we try to pull up and away from our bodies and let the mind be the one that makes all the decisions and whatever the mind says is best and whatever, you know. Um, and, And one of the things that we know, if we really think about it, is how it can actually be really hard to make decisions with the mind because the mind weighs everything equally. Right. Right. Well, so the we go mind into doesn't this, like, always have all the information because the mind has to use, it has to have data to process, right? It has to be able to do the equation of, well, this plus this equals this. But sometimes the conscious mind doesn't have all the data. Exactly. It's in your subconscious. And so that's where the intuition 
can bring knowledge and wisdom that the conscious mind just simply doesn't exactly. have access to. Or that takes the conscious mind so long to process. Right. To go and find and process right. all that information exactly. would just take too long. Exactly. Which yeah. is why in, in fairy tales, you often have these cre- magical creatures that get things done while the hero or the heroine oh, right. is sleeping. Yeah. Like right? the shoemaker, the elves. Exactly. Or the elves yeah. that come, the fairies <laughs> that fix it, the, you know, so like. That is a symbol for how when we're at rest, quote unquote, yeah. right? Um, when we're in peace of mind, mm-hmm. then things happen magically. If I'm moving with intuition, then I'm moving on information that I haven't had to go retrieve and process. So it feels effortless, yeah, right? And it, and it happens a lot faster than, than that other process does. But we've been trained to think that the... Everything feminine is bad, or the, the planet is a punishment, right? And that's something we've talked about quite a bit <laughs> yeah. on the show. The planet is a punishment, and the body, the body is of the planet, right. so the body is a punishment. It's this imperfect mortal vessel, right? You know, right. Yeah, and exactly. you hear this in spiritual circles a lot too. There's a lot of dogging on the body. Oh, all this dense energy, right? Like yeah. it's you know, it's another way of dogging on the body mm-hmm. and not being rooted here. Right. And, and working through that space. But when we're, when we recognize the connection and start looking to open up our relationship with the body, then the intuition yeah. flows more. I the love, creativity is going to flow more. I love thinking of it as we're spiritual beings that are, and this body is our vessel. It's our interface with this reality and what we're experiencing right now. And, and so it's like, I don't know. It's like it's sort of like I don't know if you play any of those games like Clash of Clans or Dragonvale or there's like little apps that are games where you like build up your village or your town or whatever. Like there's you you get more. You just sort of build it up, right? And it's like your little thing that you created in this world. And I kind of feel like like your avatar or whatever. Like that's to me that's sort of how I see the body is that like, oh, this is my body. Like it's what I it's where I get to live right now. Yeah. <laughs> While I'm here. And and you know, that's helped me become better at appreciating it and and not trying to make it perfect or expecting right. it to be quote unquote perfect. But um just saying, oh, cool, this is my body. Right. <laughs> there, there was a chant that we did at the Goddess Conference a couple of years ago where we covered um, Balbo. And uh, Balbo uh, is the one that got Demeter to laugh again and bring back the spring, mm. right? So uh, she's, she's uh, like, she doesn't, she's like a belly and legs, mm. right? Um, so, like, her eyes or her nipples and her mouth <laughs> or her labia. Okay. And, um, and she's got this wonderful big round pot belly and she's very raucous and kind of raunchy, right? Uh-huh. So um, so she told this like really dirty joke to Demeter and that's what got her to laugh and bring the spring back. So, um, <laughs> But we had honored Balbo at the Goddess Conference a couple of years ago and one of the women um, that led one of the sessions had us all chanting, this is my body, this is my home, this is where I live. Right. Just to mm-hmm. kind of bring us down into that. Right. Yeah. Um, and and that could be um, that could be one of the things that people do to implement some of this and sort of like learn. Right. Like use that as a mantra. 
Yeah. And, and, and work that down into the body, especially if you're like moving around in a circle and feeling your body move as you're saying it, right? Like, this is my body. This is my home. This is where I live. Yeah. I'm pulling down into that connection. So, um, and, Right. Like once we've, once we've gotten down into that space, then we're opening the door for the intuition to come through for the inspiration to come through. Right. We're not like reaching and grabbing for it. We're learning how to be a receptacle for it. And I, I first kind of, um, sort of started to appreciate intuition um, ironically, in a book that was actually framing it in terms of the mind, but um, uh, there's a book called Blink by Malcolm right. Gladwell, where he talks about that the unconscious mind does all this processing and, and talking about how people who are masters at things, they just seem to know things or to be able to do things and they can't necessarily explain to you how they know it, they just do. And, and so, um, so I think that whether you think of it as something that happens in the parts of your brain that are not the unconscious or you think of it as something that's in your gut or it to me it's like it almost doesn't really matter where you think it lives it's somewhere in your body and and so that's what I loved about that book was it just sort of opened me up to this idea that you could that there was this part of me that could do things easily while I slept that could tap into knowledge and understanding and, um, oh, and then you wanted me to share my story. I was going to say, because about- you've, been, you've had some very real experiences in your creative process right, with this lately. Exactly. Yeah. So, so I'm working on a book right now and I'm still in the state. So I finally got to the point, cause the thing about a story is it's linear, but, but the way I think of stories is, is imagine the characters in the world. Like I see it more as like a map of all these puzzle pieces. So that's what I've been doing right right now. So I'm like, well, I'm going to build the map and then figure out what the journey through, like, where are we going to go on our first journey, which is the first story. Right. So, um, one of the things that I find with the way my creativity work is I'm, I'm imagining things like just what most people call daydreaming, really. But it's just I've got these movies, these little scenarios playing in my head of the characters, you know, doing things and yeah. interacting and 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 what happens and saves on the cable bill, right? Right, exactly. It's like <laughs> I know it's like having Netflix in my head. Yeah, totally. Um, and, and so I've, I mean, I've been doing this for as long as I can remember, right? Yeah. Since I was little, little. And, um, I mean, I remember like walking around my yard for hours, like wandering the same path over and over, just like, because this movie is playing in my head and I would see my kids do it. Like, um, like Alex, I remember thinking, you know, people are going to look at him and think he's not doing anything right now, but I know what's going on inside his head. There's like, there's cre- all kinds of creative stuff yeah. going on in there. Yeah. So and within that like Protestant work ethic background right we get shamed for that right like and told like you're not doing lollygagging around you're just daydreaming you're just yeah no but a lot of stuff is going on yeah yeah yeah. and so so that's how i get a lot of the ideas for my stories is i'll i'll daydream it and then i'll go ooh, that's good let's write that down you know um and uh so i had recently gotten to the point where i'm like okay i think the story is going this way and i got into this one event and i was like 
ooh, that's a really, like, daring thing to do, you know? And I was like, oh, but it's so good. It's juicy. Like, there's a lot of drama that can come out of that. There's this great stuff that we can explore thematically. And so um, so I was just thinking, um, you know, oh, wow, this is going to be so great. So, but then what I found is that I didn't have any more, like, imaginary scenarios coming up. It was like, just like the well went dry. And even when, and one of the classic times that I daydream is when I'm driving places. So we were on this trip going to the beach yesterday and I'm like, why? I should be daydreaming like right now, like something is wrong. And, and then I thought, you know, maybe that thing, maybe that's not what's supposed to happen. In my version of this story. Maybe there's some version that someone could tell where that happens, but maybe this isn't where my version of this story needs to go. And so I'm like, well, okay, what if instead of that happening, this thing happened instead? And it was like, boom. Then this, then the imaginary scenarios start coming again. And I, I got so much done like last night. And then this morning when I will, like when I say done, like so many scenes in my head that have played out already just since then. And, um, I'm like, okay, that is my intuition telling me, nope. That's not where you're supposed to go. This is where we're supposed you to go need instead. to take that. So, yeah. like, when you'd gotten to the place with where it started shutting down, had the mind taken over? Was it like the daydream was coming up, and then you started trying to like shape it? Well, what happened is, and then it dried up. So, so it's a scene where a character is attacked, sexually assaulted, mm. and um, and the first time I had come up with the first time I imagined it my main character like stops it before they get raped right and then in this and then I'm like oh but what if you know it really did happen and then you know she has to deal with after the fact and feeling somewhat culpable and sort of how events played out and so I was like I think the thing about that I'm like well that's a more daring route and there's more like there's more drama. There's that's like I felt like oh that's the more we're getting to really right. like because I was like stuff. right exactly right. right I felt like oh well if she stops the rate before it happens you're you're wimping out right like I kind of felt like as a storyteller right as a storyteller okay. I'm like no Sarah be bold you know right. face Go. the emotional right. darkness <laughs> exactly right. Okay. okay right I was taking a page from there with like <laughs> Jacqueline would. Go for it right here. So I was, but yeah, so I had, and and there could have been some really, like, so then my conscious mind was like, oh, thematically that works with this. And, and like it, it worked. Like there were things about going in that direction that made a lot of sense. Right. But, but yeah, I just was not getting So can you describe, could you feel the difference between when, like the daydreaming, the intuition is moving through you and playing out these movies. And when your conscious mind decided to say, oh, that makes sense. And here's how yeah. we're going to use that. Can well, you, it's feel, the, can you yeah, describe it's the, the difference, difference between? The, yeah, it's the difference between an imagination it, that when it's when I'm imagining it, it is like a movie playing in my head. There's not thought. There's the character mm. speaking. Mm. Right. Any thoughts, any words are the characters talking, 
not me. But when I'm thinking about something consciously, I'm thinking about the story. It's me sort of as that analyst, as the sort of the, the, the movie critique or whatever critic, you know, going, Oh, well that's so blah, blah, blah. You know, like it's, um, you know, it's thinking yeah. about the story yeah. as opposed to being in the story. Right. Yeah. Okay. And and I find that both are valuable. And in one of the great screenwriting classes that I took, the teacher was like, you have an intuitive side and you have a conceptual side. An intuitive side is great at coming up with the ideas and the dialogue and all that richness of the story that makes it feel very real and very authentic. And the conceptual side is good at structure and plot development and figuring out, like, the story math, right, of how does it all... Because stories do need to have a structure to them. Absolutely. And you know that, right? So um, so his whole thing was he teaches you to strengthen both sides separately and then to bring them together and integrate them so that you're using both. Because to write a really great story, you need both your intuition and you need that conceptual structure as well. So, so I find that both are useful, but they're useful for different things. And right. so that's really helpful as and an artist. And when there's overreach, then, then it breaks it down. Right. And yeah. when one tries to do the job of the other, they suck at it. <laughs> right. Right. right? Yeah. And so it's like, that's, uh, you know, like there's some saying like, right, drunk, edit, sober, yes. you know, that kind of thing. It's yes. right. The right drunk is getting in, because some people need to imbibe certain substances apparently to tap into their intuition because it gets they haven't the head learned how out to of the do way. it. Right, yeah. They yeah. haven't so Right. Yeah. <laughs> I'm all for getting your head out of the way without having yeah, to Yeah, no, totally. Do but like the idea of that is then <laughs> right without inhibition. Right. Right without the sensor. Right. Right. Just get in the flow and it's all yeah. great and let it all come oh, out. Oh and writing takes forever when you're when the editor is in there because oh, the every no, it doesn't happen. Like, it's what it's happens. It's like, oh wait, no, there, wait, you could say that sentence better. Oh, you have a typo. Go back and fix it. Like, oh my god, it takes forever. Don't, <laughs> don't let the editor write. Oh my gosh, yeah, I've learned that. You just have you have to let the intuitive part just like download what you're gonna say yeah. onto the page, and we will go back and clean it up later. And the yeah. editor, and that's when you bring that conceptual side in to go, okay. Now you're on. Go to town. Do your job. Yeah. And it's interesting. <laughs> this is making me this is a beautiful example, even in the of the gender medicine wheel that we talked about a couple of episodes ago. Mm. Right? Remember the the beginning in the East was the the inner feminine, which is just the void. What's possible? Right? Right. That is the blank page. Oh yeah. <laughs> right? And then the the outer feminine was the container. Right? So we talked about, like, the womb that's going to nourish this place. And then the inner masculine... So that would be like your your routine that you're doing to write, right? Mm -hmm. And then, like, the the inner masculine is the dream and the vision. So, um, and that, like, that's in the West, which is the place of water, Mm. right? The element of water is attached to the West in in most of the medicine wheels. And so, um, that's these visions that you're having, right? Mm. And then the, the... the manifestation is bring like that's going to be the critique that comes in afterwards, right? Right, like now we're making this happen. So, mm-hmm. so yeah, like go to the void, create the safe container <laughs> by get, you know, mm-hmm. and then tap into those and in, you know tap in and let the intuition pick up on that, and then and only then, after all those things are done, then you bring in 
the censor that's going to clean this stuff up or the editor that's going to, right? Right. The editor is better. The censor is more of a predator. Right. um, The editor. Yeah. That's when you're going to bring the editor in. And uh, that's... That last step of manifestation. Yeah. And I I found that it's very valuable to not... um, make either the in- intuition or the mind or the conceptual side like one better than the other right, right. they both it needs to be a purpose. just and equitable marriage right exactly yeah. and so because sometimes people get really like oh i only use my intuition and it's like really but god gave you a brain for a reason <laughs> like right. you know i mean you know you yeah. might as well use it <laughs> um <laughs> Well, I love that one that says, follow your heart, but take your mind with you or take right. your brain with you. Oh, that's great. Yeah, I love that's that. That's awesome. I've follow your heart, one. but take your brain with you. Yeah. And, and, <laughs> and it's that, again, that, I mean, that's the metaphor I like to use is this marriage, right? Yeah. Especially because we have, uh, we're moving into a time when we have a more, we have a different view of marriage, right? We're evolving mm. into a different view of marriage. Um, right. Of, of, like, we want a just, equitable marriage between the head and the heart. Yeah. These guys need to work together. Yeah. Right? They need to honor and respect one another. They need to understand we need we need to understand what each one does well. Yeah. And like you said, I love that that like when they tried to do each other's jobs, they sucked. Right. And yeah. I and I think <laughs> because we don't really understand ourselves or because we're judging these parts of ourselves, mm-hmm. we when we're judging things, we're not really understanding them and we're certainly not letting them be mm-hmm. right. When we feel judged by people, we're not our natural selves, right? Yeah. If you feel judged by somebody, you start acting real self-conscious and weird. Like, yeah. So <laughs> these elements within us do the same thing, right? Like, so, but if we're, if we're just like, okay, well let's see what the mind does really well and just kind of sit back and pay attention. Let's see what the heart does really well. And then how do we bring these two, together how do they work together how do they divide the tasks up to be able to to tackle this right Mm -hmm. and that gender masculine wheel can be another tool in that process but you pretty much described that process yay in the flesh with writing (laughs) and i didn't even know it All right, so we've explored so many juicy topics today. So let's uh, get practical with our integration station. So, um, so what is your advice as far as what we can do to um, get more in touch with our bodies? A practical level with this. Yeah. I think for women, I would really invite all the women listening to this to start paying attention to their relationship, to their menstrual cycles, to the way they think and feel about their blood, um, to the places where the shame creeps into that and just observe it right now. Mm -hmm. Right. Like just spend some time paying attention to it and seeing where it is. Like I'd said in the first segment, it was amazing to me to see how many places, how many places I censor myself or like, Oh, well, I'm not going to say anything about that, you know? Right. Um, so things about your period and how you feel about your period. And then also probably the emotional stuff. Like, like I noticed I tend to be more, um, easily depressed during that time. So would that be a part of it too, is, is paying attention to your feelings and not judging those? Exactly recognizing like, okay, well, if this is where my, what can I do to bolster and support myself in that space? Right. As opposed to like, don't make 
important decisions during that time can, or whatever. Can yeah. be. <laughs> and and it um because I think one of the things that's also really cool about the the menstrual cycle, we it's really popular to talk about why we hate our periods. It's not we don't spend time thinking and talking about how our periods benefit us. Oh. And so maybe doing some journaling on that. Um, could be really powerful because it's a massive paradigm shift, right? right? We're so used to like, oh yeah, they suck because of this and this and this. I was so upset when I got my tubes tied and they're like, you're still going to have your period. And I was like, what? Yeah. No, <laughs> it's something we, we call it the curse. I, I mean, know. you know, so like, and that's cra- Think about that. It's crazy. The curse. Like, yeah. And this- then to get rid of it, you have to go through menopause, which I hear is not fun either. Which I've also said, like, if this is the price I have to pay to not have to deal with it anymore, I'm fine with that. Which, you know, so I got, you know, I, I got some got journaling some to do there. too, right? Like, I'm going to be journaling with everybody else. I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not on the other side of this by any stretch of imagination. But like, but it's, it, we spend a lot of time talking about what we don't like about our periods and we mm-hmm. don't spend time talking about the benefits that it has or even thinking about that. Mm-hmm. And, um, when I've done exercises around this in the past, one of the things that I had seen was that because of this cycle of hormones that I go through, I have different perspectives. If you give me a month to sit on something, I'm going to have a very rounded view of that by the time I come back around to that place again, because my hormones are shifting what comes into highlight for me. Right. Right. Like today I'm seeing it this way next week. I may have a different perspective on it. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. So, so if I'm, you know, gonna, gonna say, okay, well, I'll, I'll make a decision about that next month. Right. Then that can be one of the ways that this is a benefit because it does give us a really broad view yeah. of what's going on. Right. Yeah. So doing some journaling time, thinking about the benefits of our period, um, and paying attention to, the places where we're shamed, where we feel like we have to hide it, where we feel like it's gross, um, then really paying attention to those kind of things and highlighting that and having conversations with people. It's certainly, let's talk about it on the, on the Facebook page. Right. Yeah. Um, and then, um, and I think that reconnecting to the body is the same thing. Like if we just really focus on that, this month. Yeah. Um, I love that exercise that you shared once where you, um, as you're putting on your lotion or whatever, you're appreciating that part of your body and what it does for you. That's a great exercise for getting present to your body and how wonderful it is. Yes. Like Um, honoring the different part and being thankful for what it does for us. Yeah. Yeah. So like, that's one of the exercises we've talked about to connect with the body in the past. We've talked about the traffic Jedi, right? Oh, for intuition. Yes. Yeah. Where I'm like, thank you for giving me a wonderful parking space. Yeah. And then a few seconds later, there's There's the wonderful parking parking space. space. (laughs) Being able to like feel what people are doing in traffic, right? Mm -hmm. Kind of like tuning into that and... And, um, instead of screaming and yelling at them in my car, like to be like, I'm over here in your blind spot. Make sure you look before you come over. Oh, yeah, right. That's like, your traffic Jedi, right? Right. Okay, so we talk yeah, about like, the yeah. traffic Jedi. And so that's been one of the things we've talked about for getting in touch with tuition. We've talked about having a space in your life where you don't question intuition. Yeah. Right. Like whatever hits you get, you just follow up without questioning it. Like we've talked a lot about getting in touch with tuition intuition, but I think, this this month, I would really invite everyone to really spend time concentrating on their relationship 
to their moon cycle and to their blood and how how that is right like working yeah. on repairing that and examining shame spaces um and flipping flipping the charts and, and looking at the positive spending some time looking at what the positives are and that now what about for the men in our audience what's the you know is there nothing for them to do on this i mean i know in terms of the intuition part men absolutely have intuition too intuition is not just a woman's yes. thing um, which sometimes it's portrayed that way, but that's definitely not true. Um, so, so yeah, I mean, is there, is it just for men, is it just about, um, battling that sort of tendency that we might have to go, ew, women's stuff, gross. Or is there more? Cause I think be that, that, I think that's really powerful. And I think it, um, uh, you know, you see this with, um, like comedians, male comedians have been like, oh, please, no period jokes. That's so gross. And female comedians <laughs> have said, sorry, but if dudes had periods, 95% <laughs> of comedy would be about periods. Are I you kidding know, me? Right? Like, oh they talk God. so much about wet dreams and boners and blue balls and all this kind of stuff. And then they're going to go, ew, period jokes, gross. Don't, you know, like, so, so it is something to, to, I think for guys to challenge on that, because I think it is something that, um, we're looking at. If you're looking to invite divine feminine in, then that is a huge part of her. Mm-hmm. So, um, so it needs to be something that that we're okay with, right? And looking again at where where does that come from in the men? Mm-hmm. And it would be really interesting to to find out what guys discover. Yeah, where that comes from. Yeah, right? if there are any guys listening, post on our Facebook. It would be great. Right, like, we would love to hear your insights as to right. Where has this it been is like? Wow, from? I always thought it was fascinating, but I felt pressured by other guys to say that it was gross, or mm-hmm. you know, maybe they've also noticed that. Hey, what's the difference between thinking yeah. blood flowing all over the place and Vikings or Games of Thrones is awesome? Yeah, but like a bloody tampon is the most terrifying thing in the world. Or like, maybe they're not terrified or grossed out by it. Maybe they're like, yeah, I don't care whatever it's just a period yeah it would be interesting yeah right like (laughs) i love buying my girlfriend tampons because then everyone knows i have a girlfriend (laughs) Uh, you know what i mean like i mean like (laughs) so it would be really interesting to hear what guys have to say about it but it's but it is one of those things where we like working together to come over that shame right Mm -hmm. um is is going to be really powerful right absolutely So glad that you could join us today. And we are here to start a conversation, not be the conversation. So we would love to have you join us uh, around the digital campfire. Uh, you can come to the Facebook page, find Kitchen Table Alchemy, the group. Um, and that's a great place to connect with other people, uh, talk about what we've been talking about, also to find out where our next pop-up podcast is going to be. And Pinterest, find us on Pinterest. So that article that you were looking for, that you've scrolled through and you can't find it, it's probably on the Pinterest board. So uh, go find the Kitchen Table Alchemy group over on Pinterest. And for the latest episodes, you can go to our website, kitchentablealchemy.com, or you can subscribe through iTunes. And that way it's downloaded automatically. You don't have to remember anything. That's that's what I like. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. So we've loved having you. Y'all come back now, you hear? here. <laughs>